0: How to be better at the two things that Jesus said mattered the most. Loving God and loving our neighbor. This series has really kind of shown me a few things for myself. Because, you know, I've really not been as good a neighbor as I probably could have been. And I try to be a, an okay neighbor. You know, I won't bother you unless you're the guy who lives right across the street from me. Uh, I won't bother you, I won't cause much trouble, I I try to keep my animals out of your yard, the whole neighboring thing though has really, it's, it's taught me a few things. How do we better, be better at those two things that Jesus said mattered more than anything else in the world? How can I be better at that? And you know, we, we talked about that thing that Jesus said was the most important to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. How do I love God and love my neighbor like God has called me to do? And I suppose if we were just straightforward, we don't mind picking and choosing the things oftentimes we, that we'll do. God's told us to love our neighbors. We say, okay, I'll, I'll love, you know, I, I, I want to be better at loving God. I don't mind actually loving some people, I mean, right, because others are harder and, and, and we don't always see things the same way. We don't always have the same backgrounds. We don't always do things the same way. And, you know, uh, and the stuff about them that, you know, there's really some things about them that I don't like. I want to love everybody. I get that. But to love people, the people who live near to us, is a challenge for us. So we kind of pick and choose. My brand of love is just, you know, be kind, be nice. You know, again, keep my grass cut, take down the Christmas tree ornaments before Easter at least. You know, maybe except for the little lights in the trees sometimes, you know, when we had them. But, you know, the book of Acts, the writer tells us this. He says, from one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth And he demonstrated the time set for them and the exact place where they should live. Now, the writer's talking about the Hebrews and their history. But, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that God has you exactly where you are. But maybe God has you exactly where you ought to be right now. In that place. In that apartment. In that dorm room That neighborhood that you're in. God has you there for a purpose. Maybe right there in that place is where God wants you. Wants to engage you to show and to demonstrate His grace. Now you've heard us talk about what Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Where he says you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That he said he prepared in advance for us to do. In other words... God as a part of his story is counting on you, writing it through you of the things that he has going on. The very, from the very first time to a, to a God who loves them and showing them. Maybe he's, he wants us to connect with those people and see them for yourself. Now how is it that we can be a good neighbor? Well we're pushing on that individually here. We, we try to do it corporately here. I mean, like providing our building for different things when people need them. I'm the Girl Scouts, you know, oftentimes meeting our building. We, we've had different groups that, that need us. Even the courthouse has used our building. Different organizations have used our building. And, 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 and we've, one of the first things we did when I got here is we went through a process through the Red Cross that if there's a natural disaster in Allen County, that our building will be in one place. matter of fact, we're the first church in Allen County to become a, a disaster center. After they did some more research, after they affirmed us, they got to doing some research and decided, you know what, we are it. Now they've encouraged some others to get involved. And uh, and you have been that encouragement to them to get involved. When they saw that we were doing it, it's kind of amazing. A lot of times that's what happens when when one church does it, the others see it. They thought, oh, that's a good idea. We'll do it too. Well, so we have others in the area. But we do that. Why? Because we want to be good neighbors to the people in our community. We don't just lock our doors on Sunday and go home and unlock them on Wednesday night for an hour and then lock them back and and, and then, you know, on Sunday unlock it again. No, our building gets used for various people. Because why? Because we want to be good neighbors. You know, what happens when the winds come and the, and the floods come? You know, that's an act of nature. But what this church does is we're prepared to open our doors and house and feed and minister and love that is an act of God. Now, we surely want to help with our finances and, and our manpower. Uh, you know, when you when you read the story of God, when you read from Genesis to Revelation, when you watch God moving towards us, moving towards us in a relational way, inviting us to connect with Him. If you remember Genesis chapter 1, in the very beginning... It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of Godlessness and the Spirit of God hovered over the surfaces of the water. Now there's a sense when God's presence and God's connection there. God was present there. God's desire was to have a relationship with man. And then sin broke that relationship. And caused a divide. And from that point forward, God is promising to move towards us. You know The more we moved away, God moved closer to us, trying to get us to come back. You know, but watch as God move through the the line. In Exodus chapter 19, you remember in Exodus chapter 19, the Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai. Moses met with him. And God connected with his people by giving the Ten Commandments. And he connected with the people there. Moses leading the people. And then God connected with Moses at the top of that mountain. And then God moved closer in his tabernacle. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting in Exodus chapter 40. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day. It was there that the priest could go in on behalf of God and to connect and engage on behalf of the people. God's presence moving closer to them, closer to us. Then John described it this way. In the the promise of the, the Messiah, in John chapter 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. And then he goes on, the word became flesh, and it made its dwelling in his home among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of of, of grace and truth. And I, I love how Eugene Patterson paraphrased that. He said, God moved into this neighborhood. There was a sense in which God was now connecting with us even more on a personal basis. In the beginning, He hovered over the waters. And then, then he, he connected with Moses and Mount Sinai. And then through the tabernacle, the cloud that followed them, And then Jesus came and tabernacled with us. Lived with us. Moved into the neighborhood. So God has moved from hovering in Genesis to First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Where it says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God lives in you. Now he's really gotten up close and personal, hasn't he? God has moved from hovering to in you. And you and I provide something. The best opportunity for others to see his grace. They can see God through us. Drawing closer for others to experience God's love in their life. And that happens when we get connected in our neighbor's lives. In in the 1990s, researchers, marketers coined the term cocooning in our society. And it is so big. You know, and it meant that we started building our fences you know we, we our yard is fenced in the backyards are all fenced in and we closed our garage doors down and and we stuck our earphones in and, and we watch our movies on a dvd player and we we stayed in our houses more and a lot of times what happens is you know our lives are we we get up in the morning we we take care of our business we we go into the garage get in our car open the door drive off we come home we we uh We open our garage, go back in. If we're out at all, we're in our fenced-in backyard. And we don't have the connections that we used to have with the people around us. And so, you know, and then they come up with the term super cocooning. Where technology somehow has created all these connections. And yet so little relationship depth. It's amazing to me. I mean, you especially... With our younger people today, you can go and let's, let's all go hang out. And we'll go to the restaurant and there might be five or six of us there and you look at the table and, and, and they all, every one of them will have their cell phones out. And they're looking at their cell phones. Now we're together, but they're, they're connected with the people away from them on Facebook or whatever, social media, whatever round that they choose to use. Rather than be right there in the moment with the people that they're with, and we have gone from super uh, cocooning. You know, even with our kids. You know, uh, the kids rather than have a relationship with kids, we'll just hand them an iPad, and so we don't have these relationships. And here's the question: What am I going to? You know, I, we're going to ask you to do some basic things to move from again, as we talked about last week. Of head knowledge to heart knowledge. Are we getting to know our neighbors? Now here's a little exercise. You have your house right here in the middle. And if the PowerPoint was working. You'd see the house in the middle. And there's the eight. Most of us have. You know if you live in a neighborhood. You have eight homes around you. You know the eight closest neighbors you have. Are in your apartment or your townhouses, Or your farms or whatever. Those eight people. You know, the one in the front, the one on either side there, the one on either side, and the ones behind you, that kind of thing and here's the question: Do you know their names? as I wrote this, you know I, I, as I was thinking putting this together, I was thinking, you know, I' fail in this area somewhat, unable to name the names of the people around me I, I know most of the people around me, but I'd be honest with you, we've had some people that lived right behind us for about two months now I didn't even know when they moved in to be honest with you I've never seen them outside and uh, and uh, I understand it's a woman and her kids but I'm I'm not sure I've never seen them but two months I've not connected I, I usually go over and introduce myself if a neighbor comes in but I didn't even know when they moved in so I, I kind of failed in that area but you know I'm one of those, you know. Though when I go out, a lot of times, rather, you know, hey brother, hey neighbor, you know, hey guys. Yeah, you know, I, you know I, I read it this way. We want to move from hey neighbor to hey Nick or Jane or John or whatever it is. That's what we need to do because your name matters, doesn't it? You know, it's interesting to me in, the, in our in our. Our our society in our neighborhood here a lot of times that people will even tell me you know they'll say you know they, they'll say hey preacher hey preacher you know you know I've got a name believe it or not and but you know a lot of times they don't want to care enough to even learn your name and and but I I'm afraid that sometimes I do the same thing and, and do you know anything about your neighbor any of his history and it doesn't count if you say well he works for Mister Fixit Flush. Because it's on the side of his truck you know that doesn't count do you really know anything but you know do you know anything about your neighbors? Jim Collins from good to great said when he was a young professor at Stanford he went to his mentor and he said to his mentor one time he says, "How can I do a better job? How can I become a better teacher? I want to be a better professor and he said, the answer gave him insight that changed his life. He said that his mentor said to him, Jim, you work really hard at being interesting. I think you ought to be more working harder at being more interested. And there's a difference, isn't there? Are you the kind of person who walks in the room and goes, here I am. Or are you the kind of person who walks in the the room and says, well, there you are, and I'm so glad you're here today. We need to be those kind of people who look out. How is it that we could be more interested in our neighbor? How can we do that? Well we're going to look at luke chapter 7 36 to 48 if you have your bibles i know you know on your phones or whatever i know i usually put it up on the board there but if you have your bibles look in luke chapter 7 verse 36 through 80 you know where jesus is asking simon do you see this woman one of my favorite scenes is this scripture It's found in luke 7 starting in verse 36 jesus is invited to a meal in fact you look at the book of Luke, it's often times that Jesus is either going to a meal or at a meal or coming from a meal if you look at the book of Luke. And meals were so important in that day, it was a, it was an in-depth time where you spent with somebody in fellowship. As a matter of fact, it was that way in Russia. If you ever were invited over in somebody's house in Russia, it was a big deal. It was a all-afternoon deal. You would go to their house and, and you would sit there for a while. And First of all, you'd start talking and then then she'd bring out the salad and and then she would bring out another thing. And then the, their children, if they had any children, she'd send them out to entertain you for a while. And if they could sing, they'd sing to you. If they could play the piano, they'd play a little piano tune for you. And then after that, they'd serve another part of the meal and then another part of the meal. And it would take four or five hours to just eat a meal at somebody's house and just to get through the meal. Well, that's kind of the way it was in Jesus' day. When you ate with someone, it was a big deal. It was a sign of fellowship. In Jesus' day, it was a sign of acceptance and belonging and connection. It was an important communication that you were making towards that person. Also in Jesus' day, when someone important was to have a meal, the house was kind of, you know, in that day, the house was kind of an open-air type situation. And the people from around the town would kind of gather around to kind of watch and see what was going on. If somebody important was there, they would, they, you know, they would be an open court kind of thing. And they would be eating and all or, or, or open-air type thing. And, and the neighbors would come to kind of look over the fence, check and see what y'all were doing. There actually, there was no fence. But they would look and see what was going on there. And a woman in that town who lived a sinful life, who is known from the Scriptures as an immoral woman, heard that Jesus was there. She heard that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she brought a a beautiful alabaster jar filled with very expensive perfumes. And she knelt behind him at his feet. It says here, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on his feet. Well, the Pharisee who lived there, who had invited him, saw this. He said to himself, He thought, Now if this man were a prophet, if he was truly a prophet of God, he would know kind of what kind of woman this was. He 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 would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to, to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Verse 41 says, Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and and he said to Simon, look at this woman. Do you see this woman? Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your house, you didn't offer me to wash the dust from my feet. Now customary in that time, you know, because you, you know, you walked on the streets and because they were dusty streets and if you've been in the Middle East at all, you know that's true. Uh, and they would be wearing sandals and all when you enter into somebody's house. Customarily, you know, the, the, you, you would, uh, one of your servants would come and wash your feet before you sat down. Didn't happen in Simon's house. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. Again, a traditional greeting that they would have in that day. If you came into someone's house, your traditional greeting would not be a handshake like we do here. It would be a kiss on the cheek. Oftentimes both cheeks. And something Simon didn't do. But from the time I first came in... She has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Jesus is saying, this woman has done all these things to welcome me that you didn't do, that you should have done. If you was a good host, that's what you would have done. Now, you see this woman? You know, I felt a lot of... I tested my time. That's why I wear glasses. And I almost got to the point one time where I memorized the middle line. And I had it memorized. You know, the problem is, uh, you know, you had to point me where the wall was. You know, I didn't have my glasses on. You know, but I failed a lot of eye tests. I've also failed sometimes to see people right around me. Sometimes I see their stuff. Sometimes I see the things about them. I'm good at categorizing, you know. Worse, worse. There've been times I just hadn't even seen them. Simon, what do you see? This isn't some eye test. It's it's obvious she's in the room, but Simon, what do you see? You see her clothes. You see her life. Oh, and, and how it's, it's so different from yours. And, and do you see how you've judged her, placed her in something as lower than you are and, and someone who, who to be used at the right time, maybe? What do you see? Do you see her choices? How that her choices are, you know, irre, uh, uh, irreprehensible to you? That you wouldn't have anything to do with something like that. Or do you you see that somebody, you know, maybe there's something in her that that scares you about you. What do you see, Simon? Do you just see her stuff? Her surface? Her sins? Do you see how broken and, uh, and, and maybe messed up she is? Because, Simon, that's not what I see. Simon, here's what I see. I see a little girl who's loved by the Father. Who maybe experienced some pain or abuse or or made some bad choices. And now she's kind of beat down and bruised. But Simon, I don't see that. Simon, what I see is someone who is as loved and as valued as you are. That's what I see. Because here's the biblical truth. You and I will never lock eyes with anyone, anyone on the face of this planet. You and I will never lock eyes, including our neighbors, who's not loved as much as we are. And we need to understand that. And so, what do we see? So we want to help us to connect to our neighbor because... You know, when we get connected, when we get connected, we see them, we see past the stuff, past the differences, past the things that separate us. We need to look deeper into people's lives. Do you understand why they're where they are? Do you understand that they are someone who's loved by the Almighty? You know, do do we see them? Can we see past the, the things that separate us? You know, they... You know, they may be one thing politically, me another. They may, I certainly may have a different job than I have, live, come from a different world than I have, different education than I have, different economic upraising than I had, different values than I have. Can I look past those things in my neighbor? And say, despite all those differences that we have, we are loved by the King. We are valued by God. And therefore they should we should he should be valued by us. Do you see your neighbor? I'm gonna tell you in this day and age, and the things that we have, it's difficult. You know, I, I tell you what, in working in emergency services, you know, it's a shame sometimes that we go into a house and someone's been dead for a month and nobody knew it. But we hear about that all the time. We got a call this past week because a, a woman, had, we got a call because a woman didn't have a phone and she hadn't shown up for dialysis in in 10 days, I think it was, and she was on a regular dialysis. She hadn't been there, so the people from the dialysis place called her sister and said, do you know why your sister hasn't been coming to dialysis? She also has cancer. And the sister calls us and sends an ambulance out there. My question is, why hadn't the sister checked on her? Of course, we got out there and, and the lady was not, you know, she wasn't in as bad shape as maybe she should have been. I mean, it was obvious to us. We hadn't been told she had cancer, but we got in a, got back in the ambulance and we looked at each other. And I said, ah, that woman's got cancer. And when we got back, we found out that. But how, how, what kind of neighbors are we that someone living in? By the way, she's living in a house. Actually, she was living in a trailer in front of a house that's been condemned where they've run an electric cord, and it's a camper trailer, living in a camper trailer in front of a condemned house that they have electricity plugged into and run out with no water because the water pipes had frozen. And I'm thinking, what kind of neighbors does she have? How does that happen to our neighbors? But really, it could happen right in your neighborhood your next door neighbor we need to be we need to be better at seeing our neighbors i had a video i was going to show you i'll probably show it to you next week but uh, about neighboring by the way and it's about a guy in nashville that did a fantastic job of living out what it means to be a good neighbor but you know i i last week i asked you to text me a name of somebody you wanted to pray for and i prayed for those names this week well i texted the group back last week and i said listen now what i want you to do is i want you to pray for yourself pray for yourself ask god to give you a heart for your neighbors that was the text i sent out to them. that's what i sent out to you today ask god to give you a heart for your neighbors don't be like that pharisee that sits around and says hmm. Uh, That person just doesn't fit within the kind of people that I hang around with. But really seeing people. Jesus said, do you see this woman? Good question. Do you? Of course, it begins with the commitment to God first. You remember, he gave two laws. He said, what is it? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself you got to start with your love for God, because to be honest with you, you'll never love your neighbor until you love God like you ought to. If you don't have a relationship with God, you're never going to be the kind of person having loving relationships that you can. There's no greater relationship than the relationship between you and God. And if that's broken, then you're not right with anyone, including yourself. So, you start there, and if you believe in Christ, willing to turn for your sins, confess your faith, be baptized for the remission of your sins, then God can forgive you of for your sins. You can, you can renew that relationship with God, and you can love Him with all your heart, soul, mind. Part of loving Him is obeying Him. And then you can love your neighbor yourself. Now, we've been talking about the Ten Commandments on Sunday nights, and, you know, I, I was thinking about that, and there's nothing about the Ten Commandments, and He says, As a matter of fact, All the law and the prophets are wrapped up in these two commandments. Loving God and loving your neighbor. Everything you do will come out of that. Will you? You may be here today not a Christian. The first thing is to get that relationship with God right. You may be a Christian. Then the next thing is, how good a neighbor are you? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Now again, it begins maybe with, you know, some of you need to learn to love yourself. Maybe the reason that you have such a cynical attitude is you don't care much for yourself. I believe that's because you don't have a right relationship with God. But if we can help you renew that relationships, I want to encourage you this morning to come. We'll pray with you and for you. If we can help you, come as we stand. We offer the invitation.